Hello and welcome to the Advertising Week Europe podcast sponsored by MWW. Uh, my name is John Reynolds, a host. So this is the third episode today and we are delighted to be joined by Suki Thompson, the Chief Exec and Founding Partner of Oyster Catchers, the Advertising Intermediary. Uh, thanks for joining me, uh, Suki. You are very welcome. So the third day of Ad Week in Europe. Now, I think you were speaking yesterday on a session called The Secret Source uh, to Profitability with award-winning photographer ranking. Can you just give the listeners a bit of a, a flavour of what that was um, what was involved in that then and some of the some of the findings from the um, the session? Yeah, actually it was a it was a session um, all about creativity and business. We had Rankin on one side and I had Benny Higgins and Benny Higgins used to be the chief exec of Tesco Bank and head of strategy before that was the chief exec of RBS. And now he um, is setting up for Nicola Sturgeon in um, Scotland, their new Scottish investment bank. He's oh. also, interestingly, the chair of the um, National Galleries in Scotland. So right. he has come from, you know, he's an actuari- actuarial background, yeah. very business focused, um, but has a passion for poetry and art. And Rankin, I found out yesterday, was born about three miles away from Benny in Glasgow. Okay. And as well as being, you know, actually an amazing photographer, yeah. uh, is quite a businessman. He set up um, you know, an agency of his own. Uh, and so, you know, uh, we, we had a very big, de- big debate about that. And, and actually what we did was looked at some of Rankin's photographs of the way that he's brought to life a number of things around... Mm-hmm. Innovation, but also he was one of the, one of the first photographers to, um, for example, photograph gender fluid. Yeah. Um, men, women, black, white, kissing. There's a very um, very poignant photograph that I showed that he did about 15 years ago. But he's been okay. talking about issues like that. So how photography and art can really do things to change the lens on people's perceptions. Um, and just going back to so that was interesting what you said. He's, uh, Bennett, he said at the he's setting up the investment bank for is. Nicholas. Well, what's what's that then? Is that I didn't know about that. Is that, is that a complete new venture? Is it? Or? Yeah, it is. Yeah, absolutely. And um, he. He was the advisor to Nicola Sturgeon um, okay. in government, and now he's been asked to do this. So he talks about, obviously, he set up Tesco Bank from pretty much scratch, uh, and he's working with a lot of civil servants and a lot of politicians and a lot of big business people to try and build this bank. Okay, so Rankin's connection to advertising, partially through, he's got his own creative agency now, yep. uh, the full, full service. service. Yep. Uh, I think he's on record as saying, I saw an interview, uh, I read an interview uh, with him before where, where he's, he, he was moaning or bemoaning that the clients aren't very, um, that are very outward thinking and they don't take risks. I mean, do you think that is the case? I mean, there have been some quite controversial, some risky campaigns. I was thinking about the, the Gillette campaign this year and things like that. Or do you think clients are, are tending to be a bit risk averse at the moment? Yeah, look, clients are definitely risk averse. Of course they are, they're big organisations, they're PLCs, they do everything possible to put uh, great reasons why exciting creativity shouldn't happen. Um, And do you know what, so I see that happening all the time, I equally see agencies so keen to please and to do whatever the client wants, they don't ever get to a situation where they're going to really challenge and do things that are demanding and risky as well. So I think, you know, there's a perfect storm of clients being risk averse, agencies not really uh, either wanting to or having the skills to really challenge if I wanted mm. to be provocative. Um, and, so, and therefore we don't see the kind of level of creativity that you could have. That, that's been going on for some period. I mean, is there any, is there any, how's that going to be resolved then? Is there any resolution there or not? Or? 
Look, I think it's something, uh, I'm really pleased that we've been talking about it at AWE. Uh, mm. It's been something that I've been very consciously talking about with clients and agencies for the last 18 months. Actually, since I was at the last CAN, one before year, the year before last, where everything's about technology and data and innovation, mm. and nobody really wants to talk about creativity anymore. Um, I think it's becoming back on the stage. Keith Weed has put an initiative yeah. through Unilever now, talking about creativity. Rankin and I and Oyster Catchers and... Axiom. Axiom is all the agent, all the brands mm. across Centaur that I'm the executive director of. Okay. Um, we are we are working collaboratively on this area that creativity is really important. And during Adweek Europe this year, are we seeing more presentations, more of a presence from uh, creative agencies compared to previous years, or, or not? No, actually, why I mean, is I, that then? look, you know, I looked through. I, I love Adweek, but I did look through what they're talking about. Mm. There's relatively little, I think, that's talking specifically about creative. I think we have got some better case studies this year. And right. We've got some good brands and clients talking about some of the work that they've been doing. Um, but no, everyone's still obsessed with technology and programmatic and AI, uh, which is very important, mm. absolutely the future of the agency. But, un but unless we talk about creativity as well, um, mm. you know, that, that's just not going to help anyone. And is that because senior people at ad agencies aren't putting themselves forward then, they're not keen to talk or, or not? Or? Um, I think, I think uh, senior people at agencies are always willing to talk about anything. Um, I think you've got to have really brilliant campaigns that you want to be talking about. Mm. And of course, you know, at Cannes we will see some great work. But as you said, I think you know, the Gillette campaign, I'm not sure I would argue it was a brilliant campaign. I think it's a campaign idea, which you can argue is good or bad. But actually the execution, creative, is not just about having a big idea that's going to be brave and risk-taking. It's also about having an execution that's amazing. And I think the execution of the jet work is pretty rubbish, to be honest. I think you probably know more about these things than me, so we'll leave that one there. Okay, um, the <laughs> Advertising Association did host a breakfast at Ronnie Scott's, uh, where they revealed some figures saying that international trade in UK advertising services was up 18% to 6.9 billion in 2017. I know the Brexit vote took place in 2016, so I guess these figures are quite soon after Brexit, so it might be too early to judge the link between the two. But Suki, it'd be great to get your opinion more broadly on the impact of Brexit on the creative agencies. I guess there were some doomsday scenarios at the time saying that some of these big holding groups might um, pull investment from the UK, but that doesn't seem to have taken place, does it? It's not been really... But I think, to be honest, I think the holding groups have got a lot of other issues other than Brexit to deal sure. with. Okay. I don't think anyone who's using Brexit, I think, currently, in the industry per se, um, as an excuse for not doing the things that they really need to do, is wrong. Um, but, of course, Brexit will have an impact on all of us. I would say there are some clients where Brexit has a, a greater impact, particularly if you're in the food industry, mm. a lot of the retailers. I mean, that's some of the travel companies. They're, they're going to have massive impact. Mm. That, of course, will impact the creative agencies, mm. um, the creative industry, because it, they won't spend or they'll spend in different ways. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think, and I do think, of course, we've got to look at how we have people and how we attract diverse talent. Mm. But I think that those are issues we need to be looking at anyway. And there's been no, uh, there was also a suggestion that some of these European hubs like Berlin and Amsterdam might start you know, um, pinching our top talent, but that doesn't seem to have taken place to, uh, amid all the uncertainty. Look, I I'm not seeing it yet. Of course, you know, Berlin, 
um, Amsterdam, France, have got some really great talent and some really great people, as have Eastern Europe, actually, and particularly in the digital space. But I'm not seeing that happening yet. That's not to say if we don't actually make a decision about what we're going to do, it won't begin to impact us more. Okay. Uh, another topic which has been on the agenda at Adweek Europe and more broadly is uh, diversity. Uh, I saw a presentation earlier in the week with Anita uh, Rani, the Asian broadcaster who presents Countryfile. Uh, she had an anecdote about the, the BBC. She said when a, a BBC boss asked her to appear on a panel on ethnic diversity, I think she she'd must have been asked a few times, she turned around and said, I will appear on a panel but not on uh, any panel apart from one on ethnic diversity. And she said she's had enough of diversity panels full stop. I mean, what's your, in creative en- uh, agencies, where do you think we are? There seems to be a big push on this at the moment, but I think the latest IPA figures would suggest that maybe it's falling on, on deaf ears. I'm talk- well, particularly about uh, gender diversity I'm talking Look, I think it takes time, doesn't it? Unfortunately, um, and I am, I, I believe fundamentally we need to have diversity in all senses, not just in terms of gender, but in mm. ethnicity, in neurodiversity. It's really important for the future of the industry, particularly in a creative environment, because you need lots of different types of people working collaboratively together. Um, it's not good enough. It mm. isn't good enough. The gender pay gap is too large. Um, you know, we have done, we are better at getting more senior females, um, some ethnicity at senior places in the industry, but it's just not good enough. And I think we need to more proactively keep at it. Um, at Oyster Catchers and at Exium, we talk, uh, well, at Oyster Catchers, when we're running pitches, mm. we always look at the um, diversity figures of an agency. Mm. We have now said that we will put um, gender pay gap figures mm. as well. We look at them from the client's point of view. Um, I think measurement helps change happen, mm. um, but I think we still need to look at ourselves in the industry and do more to, to support it. So where's that, you, you, you're including gen, gender pay gap figures for the first time, who's driving yes. that? That's your idea, or the clients? And, uh... Well actually it's something that Campaign came to me about um, following okay. some work uh, that was done I think by the Advertising Association a couple of weeks ago. Um, I hadn't thought about looking at the gender pay back pay gap. Um, It's something that Marketing Week have covered in the past and I think again unless we proactively talk about something Mm. and measure it Mm. um, you can't see what difference it makes so uh, that's something we do and what I've said is we have a platform of content for um, oyster catchers and that any person, any agency that wants to give us information Mm. around diversity um, or the gender pay gap uh, in any way we will put it onto our platform, whether you're a club member or not. So we'll have any, any information or articles that are written about that area. So that's going to be interesting, because at the moment the government rules uh, mean that if you're a, a company with less than 250 employees, you don't have to disclose it, do you? Yeah. So they will have to now if they're going through you then. Yeah, yeah, and we want to we want to encourage everyone to do that. Right, OK. I think JWT was one example, wasn't it, which had uh, this big... Um, uh, discrepancy between uh, uh, male and female. I mean, do you think there's worse? Do you think some of the smaller creative agencies might even have wider um, uh, gender pay gaps or, or not? Or do we know? I don't, I just, do you know what? I honestly okay. don't know, which is why, unless we measure it, we can't see it, can we? No, that's true. Okay, so outside of that, I mean, is there anything else that's uh, caught your... Uh, have you seen any other uh, sessions at Adweek Europe this year? Anything else that's caught your eye or...? 
Um, I think I went to a very good mental health conversation yesterday that Mediacom hosted. Um, it's another area, particularly around well-being and resilience, yeah. um, that I am very passionate about. I'm increasingly concerned about for our industry right. um, and other and other clients. I see actually clients doing a lot in this area, um, really taking positive well-being and putting it at the heart of their businesses because they know it makes a difference. Um, as we've got increased technology and um, people are in that always-on state. Um, I'm not sure we're doing enough to help give people the tools that they need to be really resilient. Um, as an industry, we work very hard, we play very hard. I think we have a real, you know, we think we're very fortunate in many ways to be in a very exciting and involving industry. Mm. But I think it is beholden to us as leaders to be able to encourage and promote and support well-being within the industry. Again, I think it's something that needs to be measured. I think it's something that needs to be to be looked at really proactively. Mm. Um, mental health is one part of that, uh, and I think the case study that MediaCom were talking about was really good. What they've been doing in their in their agency, but I think we need to see a lot more in this area. It is something I know Ad Advertising Week are particularly important and interested to them. I was mm. speaking to Matt. I had a lovely uh, breakfast with Matt just before the. This is Matt Shechner, yeah. Okay. Matt Shechner. Yeah. Um, and he and I have promised that we will do something for um, certainly towards the back end of this year around well-being and mental health within the AWE group. Okay, we'll watch that space. And how, just just finally, how does AWE how does it compare to uh, other conferences that you go to during the day uh, during the year even? Well, the Festival of Marketing is the one that Exium holds, which is part of Centaur. So <laughs> right, I okay. have to Aside say, from that. and I would, and I, and I you know, and I think that is brilliant because it's very client focused. Um, AWE is for the whole industry actually it's it's mm. pretty focused on agencies and media groups and I think that's really important and good I love it I love the vibe I love the passion I love the fact that it has um, you know really critical tools to help people learn and grow and evolve and be curious but it also gets people thinking about like like we were just talking about diversity well-being mental health um, a lot of things you wouldn't necessarily think about um, you have amazing speakers. I think Rankin and, and Benny are, are two of those extraordinary people that lots of people wouldn't get access to if AWE didn't exist. Okay, and finally, I'm just looking at the uh, I'm looking at my notes here. I see that Martin Sorrell was speaking yesterday, which I didn't see. I don't know if you did. Did you? See I didn't. Him? I didn't see him, but I've seen the write up. So yeah, I've got a quote here. It says we're going back to the. Uh, I think this is from a campaign or a drum story. We're going back to the 1990s, but instead of separating media from creative, what we're doing is reuniting digital creative with media. Is he onto something now, do you think, or not? Look, I think there's a number of people who are looking at that. I've, I think the model itself, you know, I spend all of my client time looking at the model between clients themselves and agencies and how you get better creativity, more effectiveness, mm -hmm. more efficiency, and more customer focus. Um, it is bigger than simply bringing digital and media back together, um, but it's one component to that. Right, okay, Suki, that's uh, fantastic. And do listen tomorrow when we've got the final Ad Week Europe podcast.